just feeding those negative thoughts, telling me all about, you know, what a bad person I was and, you know, Mm. all those things. Um, so it was like this spiral of like, I didn't have the energy to do it. I didn't feel connected to it. And then because I didn't do it, then I would get all of these negative thought patterns that I couldn't interrupt. Um, and that was with like everything. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. If you're listening to this episode of the Moms Without Capes podcast, chances are you're a mom who is looking to create more space for yourself and find rest and joy in your days, but is having trouble with figuring out how to get rid of some of the plates you're constantly spinning. It can be tough to find the time and space to do what you want when you're constantly juggling motherhood with everything else life throws at you. But it is totally possible to create more margin in your days without sacrificing your family's happiness or your own sanity. My individual coaching program is going to help you determine what's important to you, what works for you, and how to build a life that's in alignment with that. If you're interested in learning more about it, I invite you to book a call with me so that we can get clear on where you're struggling and I can share with you ways that I can help you reclaim yourself and love the life you are living. Check out the show notes of today's episode for a link to my calendar where you can see what days and times I have available. Let's get clear on what's holding you back from living your best life. All right, we have here today on the Moms Without Capes podcast. You know what? Actually, I might have to edit this out. How do you say your last name? It's Edinger. Edinger. Yep. Edinger. Okay. <laughs> Start over again. We have today on the Moms Without Capes podcast, Megan Edinger. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, Ani. Thank you so much for having me. So Megan is a mom of three married to her high school sweetheart. She became a mom just two weeks after her 18th birthday and had her last baby at at 23 years old. Mm -hmm. She was thrown into motherhood before she really had a chance to figure out who she was. Her life has been everything but traditional, and she shares all the ups and downs with raw transparency. Her ultimate goal is to normalize all the parts of motherhood that no one tells you about so that other moms don't feel so alone in their own journeys. Today, Megan and I will be talking about how anxiety and depression have impacted her experience as a mom and how she now makes time to take care of her mental health. So Megan, this is a really timely discussion that we're having because we're coming off of, you know, the pandemic and so much emphasis on mental health. Like we really learned the importance of paying attention to our mental health. And so Tell us more about your journey and and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, thank you so much. I agree. This is such an important conversation um, and one that I think if it had been more readily available to me, I wouldn't have um, ignored my symptoms or kind of suffered for as long as I, as I did. So I'll, I'll dive in. Um, as you mentioned, I had my first baby when I was just a teenager still. And, um, Looking back, I would say that I definitely had um, postpartum depression when I had him, Um, but I lied to my doctor when they did the little like checklist questionnaire thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it was, it was 
mild enough that once I recognized it, I was able to kind of pull myself out of it. Um, and then just in general, as far as anxiety is concerned, I've, I was born with anxiety. I was an anxious child. Um, but in my family, the language that we used was, oh, we're passionate, we're high strung, we, you know, we're tightly wound. Um, and so that made sense to me, you know, that, that pretty much summed up what I experienced when I experienced anxiety. So I never questioned it. And as time progressed, um, my mental health, just my anxiety became more and more prevalent. Um, and again, I just was just like, well, that's just how I am. It's in my DNA. Like I have no control over it, you know? Um, and it wasn't until I started having pretty regular panic attacks that I was like, okay, this probably is not normal. I should, I should probably take something for it, I guess. So I asked, I called my doctor in tears. Like I have anxiety. I think I need medicine and just, you know, went to my appointment and that's what we did. I cried through the whole appointment. Um, but I was shocked because at the time I, she diagnosed me with major depression and generalized anxiety disorder. And this I was, was like, 2020, no, this was in 2017, 2018. Okay. This was pre pandemic. And I was like, depression. No, I don't have <laughs> depression. <laughs> Um, and so I, I took my medicine and I started to read up more about anxiety and, you know, the negative thoughts that consume you when you have anxiety and, and all of these things, I started be to become more familiar with, you know, my symptoms and, and all of that kind of stuff, but totally ignored the depression diagnosis. Okay. Um, right before 2020 hit, well, right before the pandemic hit in 2020, I was like, you know, this medicine, I don't feel like it's working for me. Um, I'm not having panic attacks all the time, which is super, but I also am not really laughing as much. Like I just felt kind of like dull. Um, and I was like, oh, and I've done all this research, like surely I'll be fine without it. And I called my doctor always, always, always work with your doctor before you touch <laughs> your medicine. Um, I called my doctor and she was like, okay, if you feel like you're ready, we can wean you off. Um, and we weaned off and I thought I was fine until the summer of 2020. I was very clearly not fine, but all of the messaging that I was, you know, receiving via podcasts and media and talking to people in my life, it was, you know, we're all a little depressed. We're all, it's normal to be anxious. Everything's so uncertain. Um, you know, none of us are getting dressed, you know, to, <laughs> like things like that. It Get sounds funny now. Yeah. I know. Um, but, you know, back then I was like, oh, this is normal. We all feel like this when really, you know, the way I describe it was, you know, we all wake up in the morning with a certain amount of energy in our like battery, right? Mm -hmm. My energy battery was basically depleted by noon every day. So if I like slept until like I had to log into work and skipped the shower and didn't get dressed, then I was preserving energy to get me through like at least lunchtime. Right. Um, that is not normal when something like a basic need, like taking a shower becomes like a mountain, like this huge hurdle that you have to get over in your day and not literally just something that you do when you wake up, because that's what you do. Um, that's worth examining. <laughs> right. 
And I didn't really know that at the time, because again, the messaging was just like, oh, everyone's okay. You know, we all feel like this. Everyone's normalizing it. Yes, very much. Um, And then it got to the point where my husband was like begging me to go back on my medicine because he was like at his wit's end with me, honestly. And panic, did any panic attacks return? Mm -hmm. Okay. They did. Um, But they would only really come up when he and I would have this conversation about me going back on my medicine, Mm -hmm. because what he was saying to me was um, you need help and I can't help you, but I know that medicine helped you. So like, let's do that. Um, But what I was hearing was, you know, I can't be with you unless you're a watered down version of yourself. Right. Um, and so of course my response to that was basically defense. Yeah. You can, you can F off, you know? Right. Um, so he moved out. Um, mm-hmm. he did, and it didn't take me very long. You know, at first I was like, because I was blaming all of my problems on him, you know, mm-hmm. because all of my panic attacks were linked back to him. Um, and of course I wasn't the problem, right. I wanted to blame, <laughs> I wanted to blame that someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so it was him and, you know, he, he was out of the house for maybe like a week before I was like, oh, this isn't, this is not what I want. I am not okay. I do need help. Um, I still really resisted the idea of medicine. Um, but I went straight into therapy and then eventually with, um, some lots of nudging from my therapist, um, explored the, the medicine route again. So that's kind of my experience um in a nutshell and we can dive into any part of that that you want had therapy helped you at all like prior to going back to the medication so the therapy was helping um i was learning like better communication skills i was learning um how to interrupt thought patterns i was learning how to delineate between an anxious thought and like an actual worry that needed that like Mm -hmm warranted my attention. Um, those kinds of things and strategies, they were very, very helpful. Um, and I was still hitting these very extreme lows and staying there for a very long time. Um, and so that to me was very frustrating because I was in therapy every single week and I was doing the work in between sessions. Like I was putting in a lot of work and while I was making progress, I was like, this, this has to be faster. Like I can, I cannot continue to live like this. Um, and so she, again, we had this conversation. I can't tell you how many times, you know, um, but it wasn't until finally she said, Megan, you know what medicine can bring you to a baseline so Mm -hmm. that you still experience these highs and lows, but you come back to baseline quicker. Like it can help you get to like a better baseline because right now your baseline is all the way down here. Right. So if we can bring your baseline up to a more, um, comfortable level with the help of medicine, then when you start to implement, you know, the things we talked about here in therapy, um, you know, things will start to balance out much quicker. Um, and you'll start to see more progress. Um, and she referred me to a doctor that she worked with. So I was working with a team of people at that point versus just, and I don't want to talk badly about doctors, but really they don't know a lot about these medicines. Mm, You know, they're trained by the pharmaceutical companies themselves. Um, and so they just prescribed the first thing. Um, 
and you know, this doctor really took a lot more time with me. She asked me about like, does anyone else in my family take any medicine? Um, what are those medicines? Because I learned at that appointment that if other people in your family are taking similar medicines, it's likely to work for you too. Um, so that's something to note. And again, an important reason why we need to be having these conversations. Yes. Right. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with moms without capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. Pre, before you had sought the help that has, that ultimately, you know, got you higher on your baseline. What, um, how was that showing up? Like the depression and the anxiety, how was that showing up in your role as a mom at home? What were your, what was life like there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I consider myself to be like a pretty fun person, right? Um, my kids and I, and my husband, like we like to laugh. We like to joke around, um, you know, during the pandemic, we were playing lots of like card games and like those types of things. And I was very disengaged. Um, I would be at the dinner table, but I would be like literally counting down the minutes until I could leave the dinner table. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really interacting um, I was always very, very tense. I felt like any ask for my intent, my attention was like an invasion of my space. Um, I, and also at the time we had three kids in three different schools in two different school districts. So everyone, even when we went back to school a couple days a week, no one went to school at the same day. <laughs> like, um, my high schooler was an athlete. So like he needed a ride to school at two o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of my work day every day. Like everything was just overwhelming. Everything sure. about everything was overwhelming wow. and felt like I can't do this. Or like every little thing took all of my energy. And I was just mm -hmm. like totally depleted all the time. So after you had sought treatment, what, how did that improve? So it took me a while to like get back into a routine of not needing to like, um, I think that time alone is important, right? I'm an introvert. I need time to myself, but I don't need like all day to myself. Right. So like, <laughs> Finding that new balance of like, when my kids come home from school, I try to be available to them. Um, we are very intentional about making sure that we not only spend time together, but that we're out doing things. Um, I can take my kids to their practices after work without it feeling like, you know, this huge obstacle or this big energy draining thing just to drop them off. Like I was not even right. staying, I don't stay at these practices. They're older right. now. Um, but like the idea of, of having to like get out of the car and talk to another parent back then was like, 
I couldn't even handle it. Um, whereas now, you know, they make fun of me because I'm pretty antisocial as a rule, <laughs> but I, I can have conversation if needed. It's, it's not like this huge, like energy draining thing, um, you know, to have a five minute conversation with a parent on the soccer field. Whereas before that was like, you know, that would take me right over the edge. So you did notice an improvement with your social. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Being more outgoing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your podcast, right? Like we didn't even talk about that yet on, on the recording, but yeah, you had started a podcast prior to seeking help and then you were able to continue that. Yeah. So my podcast, um, was a COVID project. I was like feeling the need to do something. I've always wanted to do a podcast, but every time I would Google, like, how do you start a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) It was like this huge, you know, spiral. I was like, well, where do I start? It was very overwhelming. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, um, Um, so I ended up taking a course, um, to start a podcast and that was really helpful. And, you know, my message back then was, um, basically like, it's never too late to chase your dreams, which is still Mm -hmm. a very important message to me and something that I, um, value for myself. And I cheer on others, particularly moms. Um, but I was feeling really disconnected from my message because, I obviously felt like I wasn't chasing any of my dreams. Um, And so I put the podcast down after just four episodes. Um, And then every week that went by that I didn't release an episode was like just feeding those negative thoughts, telling me all about, you know, what a bad person I was and, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things. Um, So it was like this spiral of like, I didn't have the energy to do it. I didn't feel connected to it. And then because I didn't do it, then I would get all of these negative thought patterns that I couldn't interrupt. Um, And that was with like everything, not even just the podcast. Right. right? right. Um, And so after I, so I, I got help in August and then I started taking medicine in December, finally. And then in February of 2021, I came back on my podcast and basically said, listen, this is where I've been. These are the symptoms that I was experiencing that I was brushing off as like, basically not a problem. Um, Basically like a call to other moms to say, if you're experiencing these things, like, please get help because life doesn't have to be lived this way. Because I think a lot of us kind of feel that way too. Like, well, being a mom is overwhelming and, you know, having chaos always in your house is overwhelming and does warrant, you know, like when you step on a Lego or something and you flip out like that, we we (laughs) feel like, yeah, yeah, we feel Mm -hmm. like that's warranted. Right. But really, you know, and sometimes it is warranted, but if that's like your every day, um, that's worth investigating. Yeah. I, you know, I, I a hundred percent agree. And I've had moms say like that, you know, this is just normal. This is just a season and everything. And I'm like, no, like mm-hmm. life can be so much better. And I love the art, you know, you, you're never too old to chase your dreams, you know, because moms always put themselves on the bur- on the back burner. Yes. And then there goes all their dreams, all their wants, their desires, all of that goes in the back burner until one day they turn around and they're like, you know, who am I? And yeah. so really taking yourself off the back burner is so important and making sure that you are, paying attention to who you are and, and what you said about, you know, you notice that you like alone time. And so you've started structuring your day so that you get what you need 
to be your best self. Mm-hmm. And so, so many moms just barrel through every day, like exhausted and depleted yes. Yes. and feeling like, oh my gosh, this is just normal. And, and their friends are confirming that yes other moms like on this and you know and the pickup line like oh my gosh yeah I'm so stressed out I'm so busy I'm so busy like it's all her but it doesn't have to be that way mm-hmm. you have to step out and say you know this this doesn't have to be that way and take that stand and start taking intentional action yeah to create that life that you want to live and live yeah. those dreams and it really requires self-awareness too because mm-hmm. a lot of times I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen something in my past that said, you know, you have to put yourself first and, you know, fill your cup first and all these things. I'm like, I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> right. I don't, if I had like the time, the energy, the money, like run through the whole list of things. Like if, even if I had that, I don't even know what I would do with it. Like, right. um, so, and part of that is because I think, you know, I, I did have my family so young, so I never got to like really figure out who I was and what I needed and, and all yeah. of those things. Um, but I feel like no matter what age you have children, um, that's something that a lot of moms can connect with because you lose sight of who you were. Um, and in all honesty, that person no longer exists anymore. Right. So you have like this new version of yourself. And so even if you had like a solid self-care routine in place beforehand, maybe now you need something completely different because you're a completely different person and that's okay, but you have to experiment and figure out what those things are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, I do say that I do say, you know, fill your cup, you know, you have to prioritize, you have to put yourself first, you know, those kinds of things, because what, but, but what I'm meaning is you need to get yourself, you need to prioritize yourself as much as your kids. Like say when you were seeking treatment, like if one of your kids were experiencing like that depression and that anxiety of course you would get the help that they need Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but we need to make sure that we ourselves are are giving ourselves the help that we need as well and prioritizing ourselves maybe not first but as on the same level right like making sure that we're taking care of ourselves as well as we're taking care of everyone else yeah a hundred percent get lost and you know I don't want to I don't want this to sound like I'm blaming anybody or I don't want anybody to feel bad about where they are right now. Um, But if you find yourself not being like as calm or as patient as you would want to be, I would urge you even more to prioritize yourself. Um, And I think sometimes the messaging of like, put yourself first doesn't resonate because a lot of times that's not really realistic, right? Yeah. Um, for a lot of people, but to put yourself somewhere, yeah, um, somewhere on your to-do list <laughs> and, and, and somewhere high on your to-do yes. list, right? Because our to-do yeah. lists are never ending. We can never mm-hmm. get it all done. And so if we're always at the bottom of the to-do right. list, of course, we never we get to those off. things. And then it starts to become like this chore, like something that you have to do. And it becomes a, another source of stress. Right. So I really like to encourage people to start small with one thing, even if it's just a one or two minute thing, um, start with that until it becomes so routine and something that you look forward to and then build on that. Um, so I encourage moms to find something little that they can do like every day and then bigger things that they can sprinkle in like throughout their week or throughout their month. Mm -hmm. Um, because of course we're not going to get to it all every day. And of course it doesn't, um, resonate with everybody to like 
get up before their kids and meditate and read and work <laughs> out and do all these things. Um, some, for some seasons, that's just not ever going to be realistic, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I do believe that you can carve out the time and space, even as little as one minute, you would be amazed at the shift in energy that you can have by taking just a one minute break to literally just breathe. Yes. For the first 10 years of being a mom, I told myself that I did not have the time to go out with friends or to learn a new hobby. I told myself that my focus now had to be on my children and they were my responsibility and my responsibility alone. I would feel guilty if I did anything fun without my children and husband, and I'd feel resentful since my husband seemed to just come and go without any of the kids even noticing. I, on the other hand, would get bombarded by my kids if I said I was going for a walk alone, so I stopped trying. I stopped making dates with friends, and I stopped knowing who I was. I didn't know how to ask for help, and I felt weak, and like I wasn't a good mom because I wanted it. I needed help, but I didn't know how to ask. I became a control freak, really, trying to control everything and everyone, because if things weren't in order, it reflected on me and my worthiness. I filled my plate. Boy, was I busy. I volunteered. I led groups. I got involved in everything. Looking back, I can see clearly that I was trying to prove my, my worth. But really, it was exhausting, and it led me to feeling like a failure because I just couldn't keep up. I fed myself all kinds of lies. I don't have time. I don't need that walk. I can do this alone. I thought that the world was going to fall apart if I did something I enjoyed. And I told myself this for so long, I actually stopped knowing what it was that I even enjoyed. Sad, I know. But can you relate? I felt trapped by my own excuses, but it wasn't until I started recognizing them for what they were that I was able to finally break free from them. I created a guide to help other moms break free from the lies and to start taking care of themselves. It took me 10 years. It definitely doesn't have to take you that long. I'll put the link to this guide in the show notes so that you can grab your copy and be on your way to breaking free from the guilt and start rediscovering who you are under that mom hat. What, how do you practice self-care when yeah. you give yourself that moment to breathe and, and collect your thoughts? What do you find yourself doing? Yeah. So my favorite thing is my nighttime routine. So it started with just putting myself to bed <laughs> at a specific time. Um, and then from there I started to add in like an essential oils diffuser with some lavender oil. Um, and then I added in like a journal and then I added in a meditation. And before I knew it, it was like this nice little 20 minute routine, um, that really calms me down uh, and like gets me into a place where I can peacefully fall asleep because if I don't do that, I will fall asleep on the couch watching TV. Like that's a hundred percent. 10 out of 10 times I sit down to watch a TV <laughs> show, I'm falling asleep on the couch <laughs> and that's not good for anybody. Right. Um, or if I try to put myself to bed without this nighttime routine, I end up like going through the to-do list of like what I didn't get done today and then mentally adding it to tomorrow's to-do list. So by putting these structures in place, it makes it so that like I'm releasing the stress of today and calming myself down and transitioning into sleep time. Because 
a lot of times I feel like we're running around trying to get everything done. And then it's just like, oh, I should probably go to bed. And then you lay there and your husband's snoring next to you. And it's like, you know, now you're mad at him because he's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that's, that's like my must do thing every single Mm day. Um, And then within that, there's like a minimum baseline, right? I don't always have the 20 minutes, but I do always do my oil diffusers, Um, like Mm -hmm. things like that to establish a minimum baseline so that just because I don't have time today doesn't mean I shouldn't do something for right. myself. Right. Um, so that's what I like to do. And then again, just sprinkling in other things throughout, like making sure I get my exercise in. Um, it's not every day, no one's perfect or anything like that, but making sure that it may, like stays on my list as a priority. Yeah. Um, and then setting boundaries and saying no, yeah, um, you know, as a recovering people pleaser, it's really hard to do that. Um, especially when it's something that you do want to do, but you know, you don't mm-hmm. have the time. Um, or if it's for someone that you really love and care about, that's also really challenging. Um, but cr- putting up those boundaries again, makes it a lot easier for you to keep these like little spaces that you've created for yourself. Awesome. So do you have a book that you can recommend for our listeners? Um, I do have a book that I can recommend. This one is by Brene Brown and it's called the gifts of imperfection. Um, and it's basically just a look at, you know, obviously no one's perfect, but turning your imperfections into things that are a gift. And for me, um, you know, I really struggled for a long time with the fact that my kids grew up with a mom that had anxiety and depression. Um, and really I've learned now that it's a gift to them because while, you know, there was some times in their childhood that wasn't ideal. Um, now they know that if they have certain experiences, they should get help. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not something that's not talked about. And, um, I can parent them in a very different way because, you know, when children are overwhelmed or experiencing anxiety, it often comes out in some kind of undesirable behavior. Right. right. Um, but now I, that I can recognize it, I can, handle the behavior a little bit differently than I would have, you know, two years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have that book as well. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's a great book. That's a great book. So Megan, where can our listeners find you? Yeah. Thank you. Um, they can find me at the no BS mama podcast, um, wherever they listen to this podcast and I'm most active on Instagram at the no BS mama. Um, and I have a free Facebook group. If anyone is interested, it is the no BS mama Facebook community. All right. And all of Megan's links will be found in the show notes of today's episode. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey moms can't catch a good night's sleep these days. I've got you. Sleep matters. And because it does, not getting the quantity or the quality you need can have detrimental effects on your health and well-being. To feel your best and not only to get through the day, but to have an absolutely amazing day, you've got to get the sleep your body and mind needs, which is why I developed Sleep Matters, a course for moms to help you take care of yourself and get the kind of sleep you deserve. In this course, I teach you cognitive and behavioral strategies used in the treatment of insomnia. We work to minimize the sleep worries, re-equate your bed with sleep, set you up with a sound nighttime routine, and establish an environment that is conducive to sleep. 
Don't waste another night tossing and turning. Enroll in Sleep Matters, self-care for the troubled sleeper. And finally, get your Z's. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes, so send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.